Welcome to the WP Tonic Podcast, where each week Jonathan and his co-host interview the leading experts in WordPress, e-learning, and online marketing. Jonathan, take it away. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Show. This is episode 607. I do say this quite often, but I really, really do mean it this time. We've got a returning guest. He, um, I think he's one of the more interesting people on the internet. We've got Rand Raskin joining us again. Um, Rand is the former CEO of Moss, or the joint founder as well, but he has moved on. He is now the joint founder and CEO of Sparks Turo. So we're going to be interviewing Rand about his views about SEO, diversity, and anything else that comes up during the interview. Uh, I've also got my co-host Stephen. Stephen, would you like to quickly introduce yourself? Yeah, my name is Stephen Souter. I'm from zipfish.io. Uh, we make WordPress fast by optimizing the code that runs WordPress and the code that lives on the server. And Rand, would you like to quickly introduce yourself? But I'm not sure if you, we need to, because if if they don't know who you are now, <laughs> if they're involved in the internet, good luck to them. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, Jonathan, that was a very kind intro, and I'm I'm thrilled to be back. Uh, and Stephen, it's great to connect and meet with you as well. And yeah, I'm kind of curious. I'm. Uh, you said what was the name of your company? Zip. Zipfish.io is the URL. Zipfish.io. Okay, yeah. yeah. Uh, Spark Toro runs WordPress on our site, so I wonder. Oh, nice. cool. Yeah, oh, he does a great job. He's made my. I got a rather large website. Um, yeah. he, he helped us make it quicker. So I, um, I might send this it. over to Casey, my my co-founder, who runs the technical side of things, and just see if uh, see yeah, if it might be sure. a match for us. So look yeah, at, that'd look be at awesome. that. helping helping each other already. There we go. That's what live we do. and real. So uh, so Rand's <laughs> decided not to introduce himself, but that's fine. So before we go into the main part of the show, I just want to talk about one of our great sponsors. They're much appreciated. They enable us to get great people like Rand to come back on the show. And that Costos, Costos, let's get this right, Jonathan. I always struggle with that. I don't know why. Um, they, uh, they help you get into podcasting. I've been doing podcasting now for six years. Yes, I'm that old. And um, they're a great platform. Um, you store the um, audio files with them. They produce the RS feed. They've got a fantastic, simple-to-use interface, very clear to use, which is not that easy to achieve. Simplicity is hard to achieve, um, but it's really easy to use. I had over 600 episodes that I had to be moved from my previous podcasting provider. Um, they helped with that. They were fantastic. They got Matt Medeus, as their marketing director, you know Matt from the Matt Report, a great guy. So when I heard that Matt was moving to them, I thought, let's investigate. Had some discussions with them. My previous major sponsor, Kinster, after three years, decided to move on. It was an Akamal breakup. And, but they decided, Custos decided they would join us. I suggest that if you're looking to get into podcasting yourself or for your clients, go over and have a look what they've got to offer. And by the way, it's just fantastic value as well. So let's get into the main part of the discussion, Rand. Um, 
you know, like I said before we got live, you know, I, I watched some of your re- recent um, interviews and one of the main things that came to me was, A, you were saying that in 2021 to have effective SEO, you really got to be engaged in building an, a brand. Um, is that still one of the key factors you think somebody's got to understand when they're engaged in SEO now? And has your thoughts moved on in any shape over the past few months? Yeah. So, I, I mean, Jonathan, first off, I I want to correctly and accurately represent my experience, which is obviously I was in the SEO field for you know 17 years with Moz, but I left that company three and a half years ago. And, um, and I have not been in SEO since. So whenever folks say, hey, what do you think about this SEO thing? I always say, I am no longer a professional. SEO moves incredibly fast. And so look, if you are trying to you know, get best practices and, and tactics. Well, it's advice. a strange, I'm sorry to interrupt, Rand. I'm not being rude, but it's a strange thing, isn't it? Because I totally understand what you've just said, but you are the kind, you, you know, whatever happens in your life, you're always going to be linked to SEO and Moss, aren't you? We'll see. We'll see. I, I am I am hopeful um, that whatever, that, that my past career is not, uh, the end, nor is it the ah. biggest thing that I'll do in my life. Um, ah. that, that's my hope. I, I could be wrong. Uh, but I was going to say with regards to this particular question around like my views on how to do, you know, SEO well today, I, I think almost every SEO professional that I'm still connected to would say that elements that are correlated and connected to building a brand online and offline are often very strongly correlated to earning rankings and traffic from Google. And, and that has not changed um, you know, over the past five years. It has only increased. It has become more and more true. And I think that we can you know, reasonably assume that it will continue to be more true because Google's goal is to represent what users want in their search results and what users want and resonate with, what they click on, what they search for, what they prefer over other results, uh, what they buy from is based on their brand knowledge, right? A, a brand that I am familiar with, that I know, like, and trust is far more likely to earn my business than one that I don't. And I think very frequently Google sees that when they serve up search results with a bunch of you know, URLs and websites that people don't know, don't recognize, haven't heard of, those searchers don't click. They click the back button. They choose a different search. They try to find something else. And so Google realizes that, you know, it's a machine learning system, has been for years. It's it's going to start preferring results that users prefer. And it will find signals to show more and more results that users prefer. That's that's how machine learning works. That's how it works in social media too, right? Facebook wants to show you more things you're likely to click on and engage with and stay on Facebook. Twitter wants to keep you on Twitter. Uh, uh, Reddit wants to keep you on Reddit. YouTube wants to keep you on YouTube. This, this is the way of the tech giants. Yeah, thanks for that. I wasn't being disparaging about um, you doing greater things either because what you've done at Moss, let's be frank about it, you, you know, what you've done in your career so far, you've done more than 95% of the population on the planet anyway. So depends how you're, you, you know, how you're looking at things really, doesn't it? Yeah, that's, that's very kind, Jonathan. I, 
Yeah, I don't know that that's true, but um, right. certainly I had a lot of good luck and good timing yeah. and a wonderful team and yeah. um, a whole bunch of people and... like yourself who who supported me for yeah. you know just years and years and I will always be very grateful for that. That's totally true, yeah. but it also needs it does need talent and hard work, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, this you know this is one of those weird things, right? I don't know how you guys feel about it, but I I am very anti sort of hustle culture and anti meritocracy. Right? Well, it's a bad, it's a bit like dating, isn't it? Really, it, you know, it's a bit like you know um, we're always attracted to other people, but there's a way of doing it, and there's a way that comes over as really icky or creepy, isn't it? So it's, you know, I see it. I see it in the kind of mixed metaphor of dating. There's a there's a decent, honest way of doing it, and there's a real icky, horrible way of doing it, isn't it? Yeah, I I, I think I think that's true. Um, I, you know what I what I think is weird about sort of the era, the modern era that we're in, is that there's this there's this belief across a lot of tech and entrepreneurship and and even in digital marketing that you sort of have to always be hustling and, and working, you know, very long hours and that this is a badge of honor. And also that people who work fewer hours or less hard deserve less. Yeah. And I don't find that to be true at all. Right. I think, I think all human beings deserve a base level of, you know, dignity, no matter how hard you work or whether you can't work well, it's at all very, or you don't work at all. It's also, it's, it, really, it's, it's kind of, a, nice. it's very American in a way. It is know? very, it's obviously very toxic American. It is, you know, you know, America's got some great strengths, but I do agree with you. When I obviously I'm from the UK and I lived in no, Europe. you, Jonathan, yeah, I, can't tell. Never, I know you would never guess, <laughs> wouldn't you, right? Uh, um, all right. I'm going to throw this over to my better half, Stephen. <laughs> right. What would you like to ask, Stephen? Um, just diving into what you were saying there a little bit ago, I think what's interesting is that so often in marketing efforts, people are trying to play the game for the big company that they're trying to market to. So like YouTube, let's say I'm playing the YouTube game and trying to game those algorithms, or I'm playing the SEO game and I'm trying to play to Google, or I'm playing the LinkedIn game or whatever, right? There's all these platforms. Um, and there's so much time and effort trying to like figure out how to, I don't know, manipulate the data or change what you're doing to just try to edge out the competition a little bit more. But in reality, like you were saying, is it comes down to what are the humans doing? Like Google rewards humans for attention and a better brand is going to hold that person's attention. And so I've always wondered like what would happen if somebody would take all the time and energy that they're putting into optimizing, you know, their SEO stuff and writing all this content and just say like, Hey, actually let's build engaging in content and just let it do what it does. Like, like, do you believe that ultimately wins out in the end or do you have to be there playing that game to make it work? Um, oh, this is one of my favorite questions. Like Steven, I could, uh, I, I want to give a whole presentation on this. Like, this <laughs> I want to hear it. Yeah, this is what I, I think this, about when I'm like going to bed at night. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I find this so fascinating, right? Because um, I, I think that simultaneously both things are true, right? I, I when I look at people who've had incredible success building brands online or offline, it is almost never the case, almost never the case that they started with SEO and content as their primary 
um, sort of marketing tactics, it is almost always the case that they started with product and brand marketing. You know, um, I, I like to talk about that. There's a, there's a whole bunch of case studies that, um, uh, do you guys follow Ross Simmons from uh, Hustle and Flow? He, he, he runs an agency and, um, Really, I'm, really I'm familiar guy. with him, not, not closely though. Yeah, yeah, really smart guy. The agency does a ton of phenomenal work and they do a lot of case studies and the case studies are really excellent, right? So they look at like Stripe and um, Airbnb and Canva and Atlassian and uh, a whole bunch of other, you know, really big companies. And when they do the breakdowns, right? They're like, here's how, S- here's how Airbnb won at SEO and content. And the one, you know, the one critique that I have with that is Airbnb did almost no SEO, literally virtually zero SEO until about five years ago when they were already a massive dominant brand. When Airbnb was more searched for, you know, in, in whatever, 2016, than all vacation rental keywords, generic vacation rental keywords combined. Yeah. If you if you added up every vacation rental, home rental, all that kind of stuff, uh, short term home rental, on Google Trends, and you compared it to the Airbnb search, Airbnb just dwarfs it, right? Dominates. Yeah. So when Airbnb finally built an SEO and content team and started, you know, ranking for homes for rent in Rome, vacation rentals in Tuscany, all, all that kind of stuff, they're so far ahead of the game. They are so much more likely to already win because they know searchers prefer them. They know that Google has seen, you know, hundreds of millions of links pouring into their site. Uh, every ranking factor you can imagine, Airbnb has nailed it. So, yeah, they're just that, like expanding. Like they're expanding into the SEO. Yeah, they already have that weight, the, the, that brand capital. Exactly. They have built up the brand capital and now they are spending it to win at SEO and content to get sort of the last. I don't know if it's 15% or 30% of the opportunity that's in front of them by doing that. Another great example that, that folks, you know, I, I think don't talk about enough is Amazon. Amazon, I, I remember there was this great story um, that, that, you know, made its way around the circles here in Seattle because Amazon's obviously a Seattle company. And so Jeff Bezos was at um, a, a picnic or a July 4th barbecue, something like that. And his mother, and he, 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 uh, was asking his mother-in-law in 2007 or eight, something like that, how uh, she used, you know, Amazon, how she found products in Amazon. And she went to her laptop. It was it was like still laptop times for her, not phone times. Went to her laptop and searched Google for the product that she wanted on Amazon and then yeah. scrolled down and couldn't find it and went to page two and couldn't find it. And apparently Bezos comes back to exe- his executive team meeting the, the next Monday and is like, that's it. I want to rank for everything. And so Amazon builds out an SEO team. And by 2011 or so, Amazon is dominating search results, right? But they just, yeah. they were so awful for a decade plus at SEO. Uh, but what, <laughs> did that really harm their business? I mean, maybe, maybe they lost out on some opportunity. Maybe some other people got some wins, but you, you know, I look at those and I say to myself, gosh, if you want to truly win on the web, I don't think SEO and content is the starting point. Yeah. I think it's, I think you can absolutely execute on it well, better than Amazon or Airbnb did during their growth stages. But if you count on that, 
you are only serving existing demand versus creating new demand and, and building a brand online. Man, the, the value of that is so much more extraordinary. And frankly, I think it's kind of easier too because SEO is just so darn competitive today. It's any ease. We, um, I think we already got to the, I had a quite a long-winded intro, didn't I? So I think we got to the uh, half up stage. I think we got we got ran for an hour anyway, so we're going to be having some bonus content anyway, or 45 minutes or whatever, until he tires of me. Uh, um, so we're going to go for our break, and we'll be back in a minute. Launch Flows turns your WooCommerce website into a selling machine. We make it easy to create gorgeous sales funnels, no friction checkouts, order bumps, upsells, downsells, and much more. Gain full control over your buyer's journey from the top of your WooCommerce sales funnel all the way to the bottom. Best of all, you can use your favorite page builder, such as Elementor, Divi, Beaver Builder, Gutenberg, or one of the high-converting templates we've included inside. Get rid of the clunky WooCommerce shop pages and checkout process in favor of an optimized buyer flow that instantly increases conversions and makes you more money. LaunchFlows provides one-click order bumps that increase the total value of every sale with a 10 to 30% conversion rate. This is perfect for anyone offering complimentary products, training, or extended warranties. With unlimited upsells and downsells, your buyer's journey doesn't need to end at the checkout. Instead, we make it easy to display a series of additional offers as part of the original transaction. This is perfect for one-time offers, related products, mastermind class offers, high-ticket software sales, or subscription supplements. Not an expert? Don't worry. We've got the training and the consultation you need. WP Launchify will teach you how to get the most out of launch flows with personal consultation on WordPress, WooCommerce, marketing automation, and much more. If you want to earn more money with your WooCommerce online business, you owe it to yourself to try launch flows today. We're coming back. We got the granddaddy of SEO and intellectual thought on online subjects anyway. You've got Ryan Fishkin back on the show. Um, so, Rand, um, I personally linked to how you finished the first half. I think if you're a smaller company and unless you've got a real monopoly idea like Peter Fryfe, you know, the former founder of PayPal talks about, you know, you you got a kind of... Um, a monopoly idea like Facebook. Um, I think if you're going to compete in a small company, you've got to find a niche. You've got to find, you know, with my company, WP Tonic, we build um, membership and learning management systems for entrepreneurs, education establishments, and corporate clients. But that's our niche. Um education, you know, building a platform for clients around education, um, Stevens around making WordPress quicker. You know, you've got to find your niche. Would you agree with that? Oh, my God, absolutely. I think, I think one of the worst things that you can do as a business owner, as a marketer, uh, as a product creator or an entrepreneur is, is to say, oh, we're going to serve everybody. 
that's, that's the worst positioning that there is, right? And and your marketing, you will have such an incredibly hard time trying to win at that versus building um, a a brand that solves a particular problem for a particular audience. Mm -hmm. And then over time, you can expand either the problems that you're solving or the audience that you're solving them for. But if you try and start from everything for everyone, you're going to have a terrible time. Even the monopoly brands, right? Even folks like whatever it is, you know, Amazon and Airbnb and Canva and uh, Google, right? I mean, Google is probably the one that was closest to we're going to solve uh, a, a problem for everyone. But what did they start out with? We are going to build a better search engine for super computer sophisticated savvy nerds in 1998. And, that, and then we're going to grow our web index and we're going to do all these other things. But that was the um, that was the target market at the time, and that was the, the problem that they were solving. So Jonathan, Stephen, I think both of you are very wise to say, for this audience, we solve this problem better than anyone else. Yeah, yeah. I think it helps a lot when you are so niche and then expand from there, right? I mean, kind of like what, what we were talking about with brand moving into SEO. Like it's one thing to have a core, a core competency, Amazon with books, right? We just do books. And then they moved into other things and you built your platform, you built your user base, you built the people that love you. Um, and it gave you the intro point. Um, and once you've dominated a sector, that's when, it, that's when someone should look to expand. It's not like, oh, I need more business. Where should I go? Like, let's not lean into my niche more. Let's go start a whole new other niche. Like, I think that's where people really start making um, poor decisions and start focusing in things in the wrong direction a little bit. I mean, yeah. I mean, so Stephen, I think Jonathan, maybe you you read uh, Lost and Founder, so you'll know. But you know, one of the biggest regrets that I have at Moz was in my in my later years as CEO there, I got overconfident. I was sure we were we were doing so well, right? The company was growing so fast, and and you know we were attracting all this investment and attention, and you know market leadership position, blah 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 blah. I was certain that we could go after tons more different audiences and solve a whole bunch of other problems. And it turns out we hadn't yet become the dominant player in SEO. We weren't yet solving that problem as well as we we needed to, and and with such a you know, robust kind of lock on that market. And so when we tried to expand into, oh, let's solve PR and social media marketing and email marketing and content marketing and serve all these other audiences, it was just a, you know, it was a boondoggle and a nightmare. And we were not able to either execute well on that. And at the, you know, that was the time when SEO was growing the fastest it's ever been. And Moz sort of turned away from SEO toward all these other things. It really killed the company's um, trajectory and took a long time even to just convince our executive team and board to turn back to SEO and focus again. Uh, and I, you know, I, I think there's a, there's a case study for why that focus is so critical and why it makes sense to keep it long-term. And in a lot of these cases, there's so much opportunity in a solving a single problem for a single audience that unless you're, I don't know, you know, need to return billions of dollars on hundreds of millions of dollars, which is how venture works, it's it's not wise. Well, that's one of the problems of ven taking venture money, isn't it? You know, uh, Rob, their, their idea of a large business is a little bit different than what you uh, consider a large business, isn't it? Um, so, 
Oh, I've almost lost. I lost my track there. I did have a point. Right, this guy. Um, this guy wants to go on, Stephen. Go on, sorry. I was gonna say. I I think um, the ability not to like to pivot or the ability not to focus on more things takes so much self discipline. It's it's so easy to see a million problems and ways that you can solve that problem. And there's like this internal, I don't know, like hero complex inside of us somewhere that wants to be the solution to all of these problems. And once we feel like we've solved something good enough, like we, the, the easiest thing to do is turn and solve something else good enough instead of keep focusing on that one problem. Be like, no, I can do it better. I can do it better. Well, um, I, um, I think that's the key, actually, because I don't like Bayos, really. I call him Dr. Evil, really, Rand. But the one thing he does have, which is focus, is, you know, somebody, you know, like the founders of Facebook, Focus. They're really I mean, certainly I, I would say for like yeah, for the first 20 years of his career, right? With well, the first 20 years of after starting Amazon, I think um Bezos had relentless focus. Now you could argue that's disappearing, right? And he's basically hired in a whole yeah. team and he I has just, a CEO and yeah, yeah, I've got and a quick question. Focus. I've got a quick question at your beginnings, because I, I am I correct that you you did find you did found um, Moss with your mother, didn't you? That's right. But I think you were you were talking about you actually pivoted because you were a web design company, but you got into financial difficulties. You weren't that successful as a web design agency, and you I think you pivoted because you were literally you you had some quite large personal debts, and you know. If you looked back and wondered why, what was was there a key reason why you you had a bit of a fail? If you would classify it, yeah. you might just totally disagree with what I've just said. But I'm thinking it's based on fact, on public statements that you've made. Um, if you looked back and wondered, came to any conclusion why you failed as a web designer, but when you pivoted to, to SEO, it kind of it turned for you, didn't it? Um, I mean, I think there's a whole a vast variety of reasons, right? But but the the big ones are, I was not a very talented web designer. I didn't find any ways to stand out from the rest of the field of web design. Uh, the web design for a long time, I think has been viewed as a commodity, right? So there's just, you know, it is more difficult to stand out in that field. It's more difficult to build a brand and a name for yourself. Um, my timing with SEO was impeccable, right? I, I basically... I pivoted to SEO and started this SEO blog at a time when there were very few other publications talking openly and transparently about how to do SEO. I happened to be good at, actually, that's not true. I was terrible at blogging. I was terrible at, at, at being a, you know, sort of transparent educator, but because I practiced so much, you know, for, for years, right. I was publishing five nights a week on the Moz blog and it was probably two years before it got any sort of traction. Right. So I had that patience to be willing to invest in a skill. And, you know, I was obsessed with sort of, you know, being um, part of that industry and, and wanting to get attention and get covered. And um, yeah, it, it eventually worked, right. Eventually paid off and at a great time, because when we built the audience of people who were interested in SEO and then eventually uh, switched from consulting to software, we had tens of thousands of people who were reading the Moz blog who wanted exactly the product that we provided. And it was a time when there were very few other products. So we didn't even have to be that great 
at building product to really stand out in the field, right? To be the obvious solution. So tons of reasons why Moz in those, you know, those sort of seven years I was CEO did so well. And, and the web design business, I, I never had any of those things. I mean, a big part of it too is kid drops out of college and doesn't know what the heck he's doing. And, you know, it's just, just bad at everything business related had what I really should have done. And what I would urge anybody else to do is join a few other companies, see how other people do it. Even if they do it wrong, you, you can at least learn from that experience. And I, I didn't, everything I did um, at Moz was, well, we've never done this before and I've never seen anyone else do it. Let's try it. Over to you, Stephen. There's, there's probably a sense of creativity there, though, that like if you don't see somebody else do it, like you're kind of like a blank slate and you get to kind of make things up. And I, there's probably something like that's kind of cooler genius that can come from that. Right. Like I, I do think I do think that there um, there is a lot of data out there showing that entrepreneurs who and creatives, right, who enter a field that they have no experience in actually do um, innovate more than those who've been in a field for a long time, which, which kind of makes sense, right? If you've been in a field for a long time and you've seen lots of other people do it, you you sort of get accustomed to a set of rules and guidelines. Whereas you, if, if you approach something from a from an outsider perspective, you can perhaps see things that other people can't. Granted, some, I don't know whether that disruption is always the healthiest thing, but it, it certainly is a common trait among many innovators in new fields. Kind of like transition the conversation a little bit. Um, so you were doing Moz SEO stuff, and now you're doing Spark Toro. Why Why the shift and why? I mean, I'm sure there was a bunch of, like, we talked about all these problems that one can solve, right? Yeah. Why Why that problem? Like, why did that resonate with you? Why did you choose to to get into that marketplace? Maybe, maybe yeah. talk a little bit about what Spark Show is just for people that like don't know. <laughs> yeah, fair, fair, fair enough. Um, yeah, that's probably, I probably should have done that when Jonathan kindly offered to have me introduce myself. <laughs> uh, so Spark Toro is an audience research tool. You can essentially, you know, go to Spark Toro and say, I want to know more about um, chemical engineers in the UK. I want to know more about architects in Los Angeles. I want to learn more about uh, people who use the hashtag men's fashion online. I want to learn about um, people who play Dungeons and Dragons. And then Spark Toro can tell you, you know, extraordinary amounts of data based on crawling and indexing public profiles that match the audience that you're looking for, right? So Stephen, in your case, like, oh, okay, we found Stephen Souter and he's, at, you know, here's his LinkedIn and that points to his website, which points to his Twitter and his, I don't know, YouTube profile and his Facebook page and his Instagram. And like we connect all those up and now we have this one profile, you know, and Stephen talks a lot about uh, WordPress issues and about web page load speeds and about um, accessibility problems and, you know, whatever it is. I, I, I don't know, street art. I'm just, <laughs> I'm making assumptions based on your background. Um, but all of the, right, all of those things now are associated with this anonymized, right? Because we anonymize and aggregate uh, this data, even though it's technically public, we, we choose not to show the personally identifiable information in SparkToro. And then uh, what we can do is say, oh, okay, well, 
6,940 people have tweeted about or, or posted about on Instagram or, or shared on Facebook or LinkedIn a public update that includes the word street art in the last three months. And here is what they follow. And here's the podcast they listen to. And here's the YouTube channels they subscribe to. And here's the words and phrases that they use in their bio. And here's their demographic data and like all, all this really, really interesting stuff. And if you wanted to get that before SparkToro, like, I don't know, surveys, right? Like big market research firms that cost hundreds of thousands of dollars to do this type of work. And um, yeah, it's just a royal pain in the butt. So yeah. Uh, so, so this this kind of data is awesome uh, if you have the the right problem that you need to solve. Like, I need to know the demographics of my competitors' audience compared to mine. Uh, I need to build a great persona for my you know market research project. I need to find hashtags that my audience is using so I can do better Instagram ad targeting. Uh, I need to find podcasts I can pitch for my you know um, um, digital PR plan. All of those kinds of things and hundreds more is what people use SparkToro to do. The reason we did it, <laughs> so there, there's two big ones. First off, um, when I left Moz, it was a really emotional experience. Like it was a really um, just intense, tough. It, was, it always makes me laugh, Rand. People say, you know, it's business. Emotion is not, well, emotion, of course it's linked to business. <laughs> Come on, what what human being can disassociate? Only sociopaths can disassociate <laughs> their emotions from their their professional life, right? The thing that takes up like the the overwhelming majority of their you know time and energy. So when I left Moz, right, it was it was super emotional. I I was the founder. I'd been the CEO for a long time. I had sort of disagreed with company direction and with leadership and with my board for you know years after I stepped down. Um, and and I, I sort of. You know, I wrote in the blog post when I left Moz that that on the scale of, you know, zero to 10, right, where zero is security escorts you out of the building and 10 is, you know, everyone's hugging and laughing and it's the happiest day and you're, you're sort of graduating. My departure was a four. So like not, you know, not zero. It wasn't security escorting me out. I carried my own box out, but um, it was it was a a non-ideal experience. I personally thought you handled it with great, quite, with great grace, actually. Yeah, you should, you, you should ask uh, Mars's leadership what they thought. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but I think I'm talking about publicly. Yeah. The public. Oh, no, that's what I'm talking about, too. No, right, right. <laughs> they really, I can tell you there was a, you know, there was a whole, like, fight between lawyers, their lawyers and my lawyers. I had to hire lawyers for, for like, nine months about Lost and Founder, about the book, right? Uh, and whether it could be published and whether they got to review it first. And, mm. oh my there, God. there we go. Isn't it? You know, you've got to keep the lawyers fed. Oh. <laughs> but but in, you know, this emotional, this really emotional experience um, led me to sort of internally just feel that I could not, I could not feel satisfied with my career if I went to you know, work for another company. And even if I did a great job and, you know, got paid a lot of money or whatever, I just couldn't. So I, I talked to Geraldine, who's always been incredibly supportive of my entrepreneurial ventures, my wife. And, and she said, I, I shop at the Goodwill and the TJ Maxx. Like, I don't, I don't need anything. You do what's right for you. 
Um, and so I, I wanted to start another company. I wanted to prove to myself and frankly, probably to my old board of directors that I could do it again. Right. That. Well, that, that's I wanted, why, to, prove, I wanted um, to prove that they didn't back the right horse. Right. By, by, I don't know, rejecting my insight. I know that's egotistical to say, I know it's. No, it isn't at all. Cause I'll just give you a quick bit background. Um, I was quite successful in the UK in retail, not not to the no level of success compared to your compared to you. And I came to America with my American wife, and I had a fair bit in the bank. And um, I, I won't go into the detail, but I went into a business, and I, basically I got screwed, mm. and I lost most of my money. So uh, I started WP Tonic and another company, and I've been at it for the past five, six years just to, you know, just I'm determined to get a positive ending. I'm a bit older than you, Rand. I haven't, um, I wish I was your age. But, you, you, don't, um, you don't look a day older. So. There we go. But I'm determined to turn it around and I'm slowly am. Um, but, you know, you, well, what do they, they say? What doesn't kill you? What doesn't kill you makes you stronger, doesn't that's the saying, isn't it? I mean, let's let's keep our fingers crossed for that one. I, so, I definitely feel there's a you know, there's an aspect of of pride that I, I don't love. I, I wish I wish that I didn't feel these feelings of I don't know, almost almost wanting to prove somebody else wrong, but it is a great motivator. It is, it? it gets you up, doesn't it? Um, we're going to wrap up the podcast about the show. Hopefully, Rand's going to agree to stay with us a little bit longer. We're going to be talking about diversity, uh, talk about a hot subject, but it should be an interesting discussion. You'll be able to see this part of the, of the interview plus the bonus part on the WP Tonic YouTube channel. Also, if you can do us a favour and give us a review on iTunes, God knows how iTunes works. Talk about a black box. <laughs> but um, the, um, we need more reviews. Rand, uh, um, what's the best way for people to find out more about you and what you're up to? Sure. Uh, so anyone can go to sparktoro.com and, and make a free account, run some free searches, you know, see what it's all about. Uh, and... I am most active sort of publicly on Twitter where I'm at Randfish. That's great. And Stephen, how can people find out more about you and what you're up to? Uh, head over to zipfish.io, run a speed test, see how much faster we can make your website. We'll see you next week with another great interview. And like I say, you want to see the rest of this discussion, go over to our YouTube channel and watch the bonus content. We'll see you next week, folks. Bye. Thanks for listening to the WP Tonic Podcast, the podcast that gives you a dose of WordPress medicine twice a week.